0: You're listening to Forging Employee Experience. I am Josh Dream, joined here with my co-host, Alexander Norin. How are you, friend? I am just shaking with excitement to talk to our
1: illustrious guest today, John Baldino. We are so lucky to have you, John. How are you doing?
2: I'm um, great. Gosh, there's a buildup. No pressure there. Okay. Don't blow it. We've
1: got a lot of expectations for this podcast.
2: John, we're very excited
0: to have you. Let me just tell our listeners a little bit more about you. John is the president of Humoriso, an award-winning global human resource consulting firm he is a certified professional with 25 plus years of hr experience and delivers keynote presentations across the u.s and internationally we actually met john at the work human conference Mm. really hit it off really just enjoyed your insights thanks again for taking some time to uh, do do an interview with us with jason lawrenson and uh what else do we need to know about you john
2: uh you know I, i Uh, respond well to long walks on the beach and mm-hmm. and burlow and and you know all those things that people would expect. No, I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, I actually do like the beach, but no, what I would say is is uh, besides that that uh, fantastic bio, uh, I am a Philadelphia kid, so contextually there's a lot of the 25 plus years of HR experience that has had me. Uh, with small to large organizations, but I've been fortunate enough to always kind of operate out of Philly as a home base. So um, I, I, you can't get more Philadelphia than I am. Mm. So I hear that, they have
1: good sandwiches of some. Nation. Yeah. They've got a one or two.
0: Of
2: yeah.
1: One, okay. yeah, yeah some cool for, stairs uh, right. to
0: run up after you do <laughs> <Yeah>. a nice <laughs> yes. workout boxing. Yes. No,
1: I got a cheesesteak in Philadelphia, right? Because I visited and, and you have to, I was terrified to place the order. It's,
2: it's frightening. It's scary in well, some of the
1: some of those shops route.
2: yeah if you right no, route, it, you're if, you're, if you're a tourist it's scary but uh yeah it's very um it's very soup nazi-ish it is know, from the yeah. seinfeld I mean, days yeah, and, so if you yeah, don't if do it right, right you're out
1: yeah. yeah no i mean everyone's staring at you i mean because the lines are packed and you know, we went at lunch of course because yeah because we're dumb.
2: i uh, know yeah, <laughs> but you know there's fast.
1: 30 people in there you know guys yelling at you across the thing didn't know what he was saying couldn't understand anything i don't know what i ate but it was good
2: it was really good it was awesome sure. It's really you put you put cheese on anything and it's awesome
0: you know i feel like you live in philly it's your hr knowledge your certificates are only good for that area because it's so different from the rest of the world you can't, you can't relate with anyone else there's,
1: there's some reciprocity though right
2: I, I i hope yeah being in boston it's funny because yeah, right. You guys are so innocent. The the uh, <laughs> uh, you know the funny thing about that is uh, when you when you practice HR, you know, across the country, like I get to do, certainly you have to be mindful of of geography in terms of the way in which um, culture is impacted by. surrounding area right so in the south there may be an expectation for people to to be a certain way you know bless your heart and all that good stuff Mm and 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 the west coast for the you know sort of ethereal granola kind of perspective on things but the funny thing that i see is you know without being too cheesy people are people it's really base basic communication it's clarity and expectation i think if you do those kinds of things and treat people well it you know, the nuances you can deal with, right? It, it's the rest of it is so, sort of child's play. Um, the struggle for most people is in those first couple of, of aspects that I mentioned. They just, we struggle. Yeah.
0: With, yeah it and seems it, like sometimes we, we latch on to what's different and yeah. we interpret it any which way. Uh, for better or worse. And, and so, yeah, yeah. so, Tell us a little bit about your, your company. I've just been fascinated on how it started, what role you play in it, and, and what
2: benefit you bring to society. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, I don't know that I can answer that third <laughs>
0: question. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> the last one's the kicker.
2: <laughs> yeah, benefit to society. There's so much pressure there. Um, uh, so I started, actually, I started Humoriso uh, almost seven years ago. And uh, it was really born out of what I see um, that some other brilliant folks see as well, which is, you know, human resources as a discipline um, is needed by organizations of all sizes. You know, it used to be that you would spend your money wisely on a, you know, senior level HR folks um, in a larger organization because you really wanted to uh, kind of be be best in class and, and be able to pivot with the economy and what the market was asking and, and the competitive analysis that had to be done every day almost. Um, but now you have 50-person companies, 100-person companies, 250-person companies, 500-person companies that need the same kind of expertise. You can't wait until your organization is 5,000, 50,000 employees. You can't. You, you got to get to it a lot sooner because we're competing a whole lot sooner. And, uh, and so Humoriso was really born out of that. How do I get these kinds of opportunities, these skill sets, and competencies to a larger audience that is never going to hire a VP of HR? Mm-hmm. um right or a senior hr director of some sort um uh, but give them the same opportunity to compete um and and that's really where it came from and and it has um thankfully taken hold and and we're fortunate enough to be able to work with companies across the country uh and in all kinds of industries um and so, so
0: john answer me this compare. because yeah. th- this podcast is all about employee engagement and yes. crafting the employee experience mm-hmm you as an expert going into organizations talking with them and dealing with these kinds of issues. What's
2: the state of the union? Um, it sucks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> I was hoping you would say that so blunt right? because it's so right? true. Yeah.
1: And it actually necessitates the need for our podcast. So it's very self-serving. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> for yes. that.
2: You two have your finger on the pulse. No one else does. <laughs> no just one else. No. <laughs> uh, it, you know, what what is the state of employee engagement? I think, um, first off, some organizations um, definitely care about the state of their employee population. Really, they do want to know that they are engaged, productive, um, that they see the value that they bring to the organization. The struggle is the manner with which they think that happens. You you throw a survey to your population once a year to measure how engagement's doing. And that's really all you do. You really aren't giving the right message that you care about (laughs) employee engagement. Mm -hmm. You care about measuring it, but you're not really doing anything about it. Um, I think that that employees find themselves in a really interesting position today, which is, um, because of the, the way, um, our economy finds itself with unemployment, right? We've got very low unemployment. We have um, a a high request of skilled laborers for certain jobs, and we don't have enough of these skilled laborers to handle these jobs. Um, Those that sit in a seat um, in, in certain organizations that can go somewhere else, that can shop around, that are being wooed regularly because of LinkedIn, as an example, Mm. you know, they don't have to sit in an organization that's crappy for as long as maybe they needed to a little while back, 08, 09, 2010, you know, we're past those years and we, we still have organizations that are functioning as if it were 10 years ago. Um, It's, that's not the state we're in. Things have moved quickly. Uh, And so, you know, it doesn't mean though, on the other side of things to kind of talk employee engagement as well. Employee engagement is not the same as employee pandering. We don't give everybody what they want all the time because we lead out of fear. That's silly. That's not engagement either. Um, you know, it's, it's like trying to, to get somebody to love you who really is not interested in you. What a waste of time. Why, why would you do that? Um, that isn't the, that's not the answer to the first problem, which is to give people everything that they want. The answer is assess where you are, assess your resources, assess the kind of people that you have as part of those resources, encourage them, recognize them, and keep putting people in positions where they can succeed. That's going to give you a very high rate of engagement in the hearts and minds of the people that work for you.
0: John, that's so good. You're actually touching on a, a piece of the interview that you did with us, which, to be honest, has been changing my thought process and thus my life. Mm. I'm not saying you have changed my life, but uh, ah, well, that's what I, I use now. It's really weird but hear you you shaved my head and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just mentioned, uh, we, we asked you, like, what's the best thing that someone who is interested in engagement can start to do now? And you just said, be a resource. Stop making excuses. Stop yeah. saying that there are so many things in your way. Just do whatever you can to be a resource for individuals. And you said that was the mantra of your life. Tell us a little bit more about that journey
2: and what it means to you. Yeah, th- thank you, really, because that's important. I, 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 you know, personally, that's what I live by. I, each day, my job is to set other people up for success. And most days, that needs to mean It's not about me. I have to be okay with that being true. It's not about me. Um, And when you do that, you really give people a chance to sort of shine in a different way. And and shine Mm -hmm. doesn't mean every person is going to lead you know, the company meeting for 250 people that day. That's not what it has to mean. It can mean that there are small ways in which the investment of their skill set to the overall organization is highlighted is recognized, is appreciated, is rewarded. That's that's a lot for someone to take. Um, you know, I had a meeting today with one of my own employees um, at Humoriso, and and we were you know talking through career development and uh, uh, his career development here and and where things are going, and and I, in genuineness, by the end of the the time together, we, we're we're sharing with one another you know, love, honestly, we are, I'm supportive of you. I love you. I want to see you succeed. And the response back is, I love you too. I want to see this company do awesome things. And I'm grateful for the opportunities I have and the transparency you give me to see where we're going. I mean, that does not take, uh, you know, a master's degree to do that. I'm not knocking master's degree degrees. I have one of my own. Um, (laughs) but what I'm saying is we can't forget this, the simple in the way in which you can invest in people's lives and set them up for success. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. Um, and, and because we're really smart, especially in HR, we're really smart HR people. Mm -hmm. That's all well and good. Cool. We're smart HR people, but you know, Joe or Sue who works on the assembly line that I can go stand next to and, and, you know, Help package whatever we're doing or or build whatever we're building, and just chat with that person mm. they don't they don't care that I have a master's degree they don't care they don't care about any of that stuff. I'm just a real person, so be a real person so so John walk us through that a little bit because
0: I'm sure more often than not you walk into organizations who are just They've worked so hard on their engagement strategy. They've bought all of the cool tools and they're doing their best, you know, with, with the cool stuff that they're doing. And it sounds like you're just trying to redirect them towards a more simple humanistic point of view. How do we go about doing that?
2: I think you have to. So I, and I want to be um, I, I think your summary is is correct, but I want to be thoughtful about it as well and what I mean by that is I don't think there's anything wrong with the cool tools and that kind of stuff right for engagement what I'm saying is um, you have to meet people where they are and so if we're coming into engagement at a a higher level than where people are thinking currently um, we're going to miss the boat no matter how how cool the tools are we're not going to get their attention Um, And the the best way that I can kind of give a different example to that is this. Um, When when organizations try to come in with, uh, outside of HR, right? When organizations try to come into areas of the world to help people, to better their lives, to give them opportunities for commerce, right? For them to trade goods and start to earn a living. And these folks don't have the basic necessities of food and water. You can sit there all day long and train people on how to make jewelry and pottery, but they're hungry. So feed them first, meet them where they are, get them fed, get, get water to them. Then they're gonna be open to where you're going to take them more. They have the attention to do it. They're not distracted by those basic needs. So I'll correlate that to employee engagement to say, you have all these awesome bells and whistles that you wanted to put into place for employee engagement. And that's fantastic. Ultimately, I think that's a great thing to do. But if you can't speak to where they are at the moment, they can't get a handle on vacation days. They are struggling because the health insurance stinks. They're struggling because the competitive wages that you say you're paying, they're being wooed by other companies that are going to pay them a whole lot more. If you don't handle those basic things, it does not matter what your employment, upper tier employment engagement strategies are.
1: Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and what's interesting about that is is what you're describing, this step one, this foundational effort of meeting people where they are, is that's the hard part. Anybody can, can, can set aside a budget to, to buy a cool tool. Um, but- when we talk about affecting a positive change in the workplace and creating an environment where people want to be, uh, it's one that's intentional. It's one that takes effort. It's one that, that, yeah. that, you know, walking in, uh, the people around me are, are vested in who I am as a person, you know, yeah. not just, not just who I am as a statistic, as a number, um, producing a, a service or a good,
2: right? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so, so as we, as we think about, the logistics of trying to meet people where they are start opening up those conversations. I, I, I think one of the first, you know, we start telling people, Hey, be an open resource. You know, you, you, you talk about, you know, every day trying to help, help set others up for success. How do you balance that with, is there ever a fear or is there ever a scenario where you feel like the resources that you're trying to provide others with are, are being, uh, maybe maybe not taken advantage of might be a strong word, but do you feel maybe like you don't have time to do what you need to do
2: to get done? Uh, oh, gosh, that's a great question. Uh, I don't think I ever really feel that way. There may be moments sure. um, where that really has more to do with time, right? Like I look at my schedule and I'm like, well, shoot. How did I book myself from eight a m to seven p m right. today? How did I do that um, uh, which which I ask myself every so often um, <laughs> uh, or daily but but <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you know I know that um, I know who I am right so you know what do I know about myself? Well, one, I know that that I'm a morning person, and so I, I respect greatly the charge that the morning gives me. So I'm up early. I'm, I'm having the Baldino time Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I need, right. To set, to set myself up for success for the day, to set others up for success. Um, I need to work out, right. I need to read. I need to journal, you know, those kinds of things really are hallmark for me. Um, uh, And then I feel like I'm, you know, my, my reservoir is full and i I have lots to give. I, I think part of it too is I have never been one to take myself too seriously mm. and And I have been wrong so many times it's silly uh, and that's okay you know i don't I don't run from the errors, and I'm not saying wrong on purpose, but you know I, I've had to make mistakes along the way, and I think that if you can. Uh, show people that, right? If you can demonstrate the fact that I'm going to try you know, and I didn't, ma- I didn't make it, but then I tried again and I learned from the first time. There's, that's a great lesson to help people understand and it helps them to fee- feel more set up for success because there's a, um, a leader that they can look at who's doing the same thing. I think uh, to, to kind of come back to the a general point in your question, without being trite, Leadership is a huge portion of how this is all gonna work from an engagement standpoint. Um, I, I, we do quite, we hear, I, I should say, in our country especially, we hear quite a bit on leadership. There's blogs, there's podcasts, TED Talks, you can, you know, for 199.95, you can get a six C D set on leadership. You know, like there's just a million Ooh, out there. Yeah, I'll I'll send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 is uh, it's me actually for six That's hours. I'm saying
1: like, you you suck. You suck. <laughs> you're, you're, you're,
2: you're better. Uh, um but but really in in many ways the the key to leadership isn't really just listening to people tell you how to be a leader. It's, it's, you got to stop, stop right where you are, turn around and look behind you. If no one is following you, you're not a leader because a leader needs followers. That's how it works. Right. Now you can be a manager. That's fine. But that doesn't mean that you're a leader. And somewhere along the way, we've got to get a lot more clear about who really is in a leadership position and who do we need to talk to about the potential to be in a leadership position and how to set those folks up for success to start putting those characteristics uh, into place and into practice so that others will start to gravitate towards what you're doing. That's
0: yeah, that, that's, that's, that, that's great. You know, a lot of times organizations just default to bringing the top performer on as the next manager and that's Ooh, not necessarily- love that the best fit no and and so how do we how do we go from this world of you know back in the day was you have a job you have to stay here for 20 years and then we'll give you a plaque on the wall saying you did a great job and here's your your retirement package I spelled your name wrong bro. yeah we still love yeah. you whoever you are <laughs> right? it's very much a contractual <laughs> way of thinking to To a place where you can truly experience that love that you've been talking about i mean it's it doesn't sound like love and business and the corporate world can match how do how do we evolve a little bit there how do, How do we get to those higher emotions
2: yeah I, I, you know certainly it's not an overnight thing that's that's step one you you can't have the expectation you know um you know I'm going to make you all love me right quick um You know, uh, I think of that uh, Dream Girl song, you know, and I'm telling you I'm not going. Well, okay, I broke (laughs) up with you. You better get out of here. I'm calling the cops. You know, at some point, it's it's over. But um, what I think that, you know, it isn't about the goal is not the emotional connection. The goal is the complexity. The goal is that we can have tiered engagement with people. Every conversation doesn't have to be life changing, but there should be one or two once in a while that are. Mm. Every conversation doesn't have to be theoretical. There needs to be some that are incredibly practical and tactical, right? That you can have that width of a um, communication strategy with somebody and not have to always be apologetic because it isn't something that you think it should be every time. I don't sit and tell my employees I love them every day. I don't. If that disappoints people listening, I'm so sorry, but I don't. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I don't tell my wife I love her every day. Shame on me. I, I <laughs> myself, right? But, but I, you know, that in some ways would not be healthy. That, that would not be healthy for me to do that to my employees every day. Um, what is healthy is the demonstration of care and compassion and concern for the people for whom I depend on. That is an act of love. And so I need to make sure their environment is healthy. I need to make sure that they have the tools and resources they need to be productive and successful in the work that they do. I need to make sure that there's opportunity for lines of communication, not just with me, but with one another, with the layers of management and, and line level folks. Um, I need to make sure that there's opportunities for learning because learning is a huge part of this. You know, How am I investing in the, in the professional development of people? that will overlap into their personal development. All of those things have to really be aligned and considered to get to that complexity of relationship. And complexity is not a negative. I know that sometimes it sounds like it's a negative. Oh, you're very complex. That's like saying, you know, oh, so-and-so is interesting. Well, that means they're crazy, right? So that, that's not what I mean when I say complex. I mean it that we can have tiered conversation, tiered expectation. And tiered involvement. As I said, every conversation doesn't have to be a home run. We need some base hits. You have to have some base hit conversations with people. Um, I, I also think that, that from a leadership standpoint, you have to model a whole lot more than you mouth. Mm-hmm. And, and too many leaders are mouthy rather than models. Mm-hmm. So I want people to, to catch what I'm doing from being around me without me having to sit down every time and say, did you see what I did there? Did you see how I talked to that person? And I told them this, this, and this? That's what you need to get better at. Well, that sounds a little bit disciplinary, maybe a little rebuking mixed in there. <laughs> maybe model it and then turn to the person and say, all right, what did you see there? Anything Anything stand out to you? And be ready for them to say, not really. I don't know. It's kind of like how you always talk to people. Yeah. Okay. Right. right. Cause that's more about me. I think I'm being awesome and showing something and maybe I'm not, <laughs> maybe I'm not. Right.
1: Right. So, so uh, that speaks, I think very much to you, early, you made the point of um, you know, understanding, identifying the leaders in the organization and, and, and how to get people there. So, so if, if this is where we need to get to being leaders filled with care, compassion, and concern, you know, that are modeling more than they mouth, who, who are those leaders in the organization? Because I think there's a tendency to um, maybe shift responsibility a little bit and say, well, the executives, they don't care. So I'm just right. going to be like, in tone from the top, which has an effect to be sure. But if I'm a mid-level manager, can I use that as an excuse to be a bad leader?
2: In some organizations, you sure can. Right. You know, right. Because because Joe sucks. Amy sucks. Well, okay. Part of the conversation to have with people is is, you know, you are responsible for yourself. You can work in one of the worst organizations in the world, but people still could remember you fondly because of the work that you did individually on behalf of others. The Mm -hmm. company may not have been so great, but they remember you well. That's that's a great compliment to someone. Who can rise above the muck um, and and he or she is trying to make a purposeful investment in um, in the lives of others despite that environment uh, it lets you know that that person has a wherewithal that hopefully once they get to a a better set up company is really going to propel that organization you know to another place um, I think that leadership you know to come back to your to your question more directly, you know, executives do have a responsibility. I was just talking with someone um, the other day about something that we used to do in the early nineties um, called skip level interviews. They were kind of, you know, the rage back then. And, and basically they were, um, you know, a director level person having conversation, purposeful conversation with someone perhaps who's a, a line level employee, skipping the manager in between. Mm-hmm. And, and so getting into... Uh, because what happens for most directors in this example is that they get most of their information through the manager. The manager's telling them what's going on. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but it is of a certain perspective. Um, when you skip that level and, and have a conversation with the line level folks once in a while, um, you know, you're hearing things differently. It may not mean the information is different, but perhaps the perspective, the tone right, is different. And there's oh, yeah. a lot
0: that we can take. I believe that would be the, the, they would see that more often than the inverse.
2: Correct. Uh, you know, I'm a big, you know, I know, I know you guys have a, a great understanding of, of communication as well, but you know, I'm, I'm really uh, keen on, on inflection mm-hmm. and lilt in people's voices, um, eye contact. Uh, you, you know, those things help me to know where you are. You can tell me all day long I'm fine. But, you know, there's a difference between I'm fine and I'm fine. There's a difference, right? The words are the same. And if I see them in an email, I might hear it the way I want to hear it. Right. But I, I, when I'm with someone, when I'm taking the time, you know, I, I pick up on some things. I I have the privilege of doing some executive coaching in the work that I, I do as well. And, you know, I, I sat with a, a, a leader um, earlier and, it, you know, are you doing well? Yeah, I'm doing well. And I've known him long enough to say, I don't think you're telling me the truth. And, you know, he was able to say, well, I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and, and I could have just let it go is the point, right? I could have just kind of taken him at his word and moved on because I don't want to engage with what this might lead to. Mm. Um, and as, as executives in an organization, we have to travel. Uh, some, some, too many of those in the senior um, executive level are afraid that they're going to hear something they don't want to hear and and have enough problems to deal with. Look, Mm -hmm. again, this isn't about giving everybody what they want, but you got to have enough of a perspective to know what you need to do next. What are the objectives that help us to refine our organization? Don't be afraid of that. No one's going to say anything that terrible to you. Even if it is terrible, it's not a life sentence, right? We can, it's not going to be terrible forever.
1: Yeah. Which is, which is good news because otherwise I think we would be paralyzed by our own fear of, of making mistakes yes. and, and, and doing things wrong. The, I, I, I love what you mentioned earlier about, about the journey being really filled with mistakes. You know, you, you're, if, if you're not making mistakes, realistically, you're not learning, you're not growing in, in, in the context of becoming a better leader. If we don't, yeah. it, you know, expose ourselves a little bit, open up, be a little bit more vulnerable to say, all right, I'm going to try doing this new thing. It may fall flat on my face, but as long as I'm trying to do the right thing, I can just get back up and, and keep, keep slugging away at it. Mm. Um, and, Absolutely. It, and, and so as we, as we wrap up the, the episode here, what are some things that you, you would recommend to somebody just tomorrow? You know, listens to this episode today on the ride home and they say, all right, that's great. This is all good stuff. This is a journey to begin. A thousand steps, what's step one?
2: Uh, I would say step one is to listen to this podcast again. Uh, right? Yes. Uh, yes, right? You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> step two is, uh, is a, a, a commitment to one thing. Um, and, and what I mean is, you know, you may, in in the course of hearing something like this, you may have four or five or six ideas, which I hope you do, whoever, you know, everybody's listening. I really hope it gives you reason to kind of think more creatively uh, with some, you know, with innovatively, with some passion, um, and, and that you may have half a dozen ideas. Let's start with one and commit to it. Uh, and what will it take to be committed to it? And then ask someone to hold you accountable to it and tell them to not let you off the hook. You, you have to keep on me, because I might not do it. <clears throat> and that's a vulnerability that is uncomfortable. I get it. Right. But m- a lot of my healthiest growth edges in my own life have come from me saying to somebody, I am dropping the ball on this. I'm going to make a commitment to make this better. Will you ask me once a week? Will you make me look at you eye to eye and answer the question? Uh, and and you need to have some people in your life who you can whom you can lean on to do that um, and then the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to dream and schedule the time to dream our yeah. our schedules get very busy um, grab a notebook carve out in your outlook in your calendar whatever you're you know a half an hour that is blocked off and that that Treat that as if you have an appointment with another person. And, and in this case, the appointment is with yourself. Sit with a notebook. Dream. And can And your flow of thought could cover a whole lot of different things. I get it. Between business-related stuff, personal stuff, great. But let that stream of consciousness flow. Don't stop it. Don't be afraid of it. And out of those things... I'm sorry, out of those times that you spend doing that, there will be things that rise to the surface um, that you're going to know must mean I should pay attention to these things a bit more. How can I incorporate this thought into my daily life? What are the resources I need to start to think about or ask to be added to what I'm doing each day or seek out? Um, And again, we're not talking about four or five things, maybe one or two. But give yourself the opportunity to sort of travel that path.
1: That's fantastic! Excellent advice. Thank you very much for that, and and thank you so much, John, for the conversation, for joining us here today. I I, I feel a, a richness in, in the advice that you gave, and um, thinking about my next dream session.
2: And, uh, <laughs> what am I gonna do? How am I gonna? Go.
1: Hopefully, I don't fall asleep. I got two kids. I'm always tired. Uh, I, I, I understand. <laughs> <All right.
0: laughs> Listeners, we've been here with John, and you can learn more about him by going to humoriso That's H U M
2: a-r-e-s-o
0: dot com thank you so much for joining us on the show today
2: thank you both appreciate it very much thank you Bye.